For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But, you know, when it comes down, um, when it comes down to it, like the, I think it's like a four pack is like five bucks. So like it's totally reasonable price. Um, if they write well, can't argue with that. Can confirm Brewer's third round pick Dylan O'Ray is headed to Arizona on Sunday to sign and have his physical completed. So the guy from Canada is signing. Um, so that's why we're going to talk next week about the Brewers draft. Uh, we posted about that yesterday. We're going to we're going to talk next week about the draft just because there's a little bit of um, question marks kind of up in the air about if all of the the players are going to sign or if some of them are going to go to college. Um, speaking of players signing. Christian Watson is officially signed. So the Packers have that going. Um, reason being it took so long is because there was a lot of questions about how many guaranteed years were going to be on the contract for a second rounder because Jalen Peter, who was drafted by the Houston Texans, he was guaranteed three years on his contract and he was drafted after Watson. So I think there was a little bit of um, just a little bit of things to work out there, but they have it all worked out and it's all set. So, uh, Christian Watson is officially signed by the Packers. So before we get into our first topic, um, I want to thank a couple people real quick. Uh, one, I want to thank Red Bull for inviting us to the Flug Tag event on Saturday. It was really fun. Uh, my wife and I had a good time. I was able to meet Donald Driver, which was super cool. And I got to see Matt Ramage in person for the first time. We've had him on the show a couple times. And we'll probably try to have him on again soon when we do our Friday night Packers shows which we have coming up soon. Um, the next one will be August 5th. That is two weeks from this Friday. And then the following one is going to be August 26th, which will be the day after the last preseason game. And then starting September 9th, which is two weeks after that, we will have Packers shows every single Friday. So yes, it's going to be a busy Packers season, but we're going to be doing a lot of Packers discussion. So um, the other people I want to thank is Wisco Ball because I had a Wisco Fanatic shirt that I was able to rock on Saturday and and give the give the word out to a whole lot of people. So I want to thank Wisco Ball and Red Bull. Um, Jake, how you doing today? I'm good, man. Uh, I actually didn't get a go. I was having a car problem, but I know Tyler repped us well, man. I saw you <laughs> be wearing that sweet blue shirt that Wisco Ball made. It looks so slick. I like how he just he messed with the logo a little bit, but it looks so much cleaner mm. now. You know, it was professionally done, so it looks good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, we're, you were talking about the Packers Friday night episodes, right? And you're like, oh, it's going to be busy. But for us, we just love talking about it. So we could just jump on this computer. We don't even have to have notes. You know, we can watch the game. We could jump on and be like, oh, I remember this. I remember this. Oh, I remember this play. This play changed this. So it's not going to be busy for us. It's going to be awesome. I'm super, super excited. I haven't been this excited about something in a long time. So I oh man, I talk about it all the time, but the Friday night Packer episodes are going to hit, man. I, I really they're I, they're gonna be good. We've we've been putting a lot of uh time and planning and energy into um what type of things we're gonna discuss, you know, outside of what you're reading or seeing everywhere else and everywhere else and bringing that all into one place. And then 
adding more to it ourselves. So um, really going to be a lot going on there. Um, the other person I want to thank with, with Saturday with being at the Red Bull event is my wife, Courtney. Um, it was unfortunate that Jake wasn't able to make it, but luckily my wife was with me and she was able to help me yeah. out with taking pictures and, um, and talking to people and stuff. So it was, it was uh, very helpful to have her along. I'm thankful for that, man. <clears throat> I'm thankful for that. That's awesome. All right. So with it being the one year anniversary of the Bucks winning the NBA championship, Jake and I both got Bucks Bucks swag on today, um, which you can get some. There's only one Bucks shirt at Wisco Ball right now. We have to talk to him soon and uh, get some more Milwaukee Bucks designs in there before the season starts. Um, so we're going to start with the comment that Andre Iguodala made. Uh, it was about a week ago. Um, I think it was a, like a week ago yesterday about <laughs> if Rasheed Wallace was in today's NBA, he'd be one of the best players and he'd be better than Giannis. And I love Giannis, quote unquote. I love Giannis. He said that while saying that Rasheed Wallace would be better than him in today's game. So uh, let's talk about that. <laughs> you want me to start? Yeah, let's let's okay. just just dive in because there's a lot to talk about here and it's none of it's going to go well. I feel like this conversation, we're going to bounce off each other. So I'll give my quick little, little thing that I put together here. First of all, Giannis is the new LeBron in this sense, where when LeBron was in his prime, everybody was knocking him, trying to, you know, find mm. holes in his game. And they're like, oh, he'd be better than him in this era. He'd be better than LeBron if he was in this era. Giannis is that guy now. For some reason, guys that are just this dominant and, you know, everybody goes through it, right? At first, it was it was Michael's league, and then it got passed to Kobe. I mean, there was some Shaq years in there. And mm-hmm. then from Kobe, it went to LeBron, and it was LeBron's mm-hmm. league. And every year, you knew who the best player was. He wasn't winning MVP every season, but you knew who the best player was. Yep. It's Giannis's time now, right? Yep. Giannis that's is a, that's a really good point. League. When you bring it up, when you frame it that way, the, the everybody's looking at LeBron, you know, that's where the target, that's where the bullseye yep. is. That's a really good point. Yep. So I wrote down – one, two, three, four, five, six, six aspects of basketball. And I put a check mark on one side or the other. What I think is the, you know, who I think is the best at that particular one. Uh, Taylor asked that I wake up and have a nope, just us every just, Wednesday and soon to be Fridays. Just us. <laughs> two bearded beauties. That's us. There we go. Hey, I got the beard, All right. beard brush here. Here we go. <laughs> oh, look at this. Look at this fucking guy. All right. So. The six aspects, I'm looking at defense, ball handling, rebounding, passing, scoring, and per 36-minute statistics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just put check marks straight down the Giannis line. And I and I did give um, defense, I did give a check mark to both sides because Rashid Wallace was a very good defender, so I gave a push on that one. Ball handling, Giannis is better at. Rebounding, Giannis is better at. Passing, Giannis is better at scoring. Giannis is better at, and per thirty-six minutes statistics, Giannis is our better. There's really, I know you looked up the per thirty-six minutes, so I'm going to kick it back to you for that and lay it out because you know if if the minutes played were the same, what do the stats look like? See, th- that's that's why I love the per thirty-six, and I know that's why you do too because mm-hmm. it evens out the minutes. You Levels like, the playing field. This guy played 38. This guy played 34. So if this guy would have to play four more minutes. Right. So you can't do that. So this per 36 yep. is a very, very accurate depiction <clears throat> of what they are. Yep. So Giannis averages 31 points, 12.5 rebounds, 6.3 assists, 
1.2 steals, 1.4 blocks, shoots 55% from the field, 30% from three, and 70% from the free throw line. Those are pretty damn good numbers, okay? Yeah. You go to Rashid Wallace, and I'm not saying Rashid is bad, but he's a role nope. player. I'm sorry. He's a role player. He's yeah. a, he's a, he, to me, reminds me of a Bobby Portis, and that is not a knock on him at all. He's a little better on nope. defense, but yep. he stretches the floor. He plays tough. He's a mouth, whatever. Does some rebounding. So his per 36 is 15.9 points, 7.4 rebounds, 2 assists, 1.1 steals, one and a half blocks. So the defense there, like you said, bulk it a check mark. Close. Pretty yep. Even. yep. He shoots 40, 47% to Giannis is 55%. He shoots 33% from three to Giannis is 30%. So it's not like he's going crazy. Right. And he's shooting 72% from the free throw line to Giannis is 70%. So to me, when you're looking at career, and yet Ball's played 18 years, so Giannis's numbers, free throws, and three-pointer could go down. It could also right. go up. It could be could higher than him. Yep. So when I broke it down and I was like, oh, man, she played 18 years. He played for seven different teams. Not one season in his 18-year career, he averaged 20 points per game. Not one. Not a single season. Giannis is in Thanks. his ninth year, so he's halfway through, right? Four-time All-Star Rasheed Wallace. Giannis already has six. He also has six-time All-NBA. He also has two MVPs, a Finals MVP, and a Defensive Player of the Year. So my main point I'm going to make is Rasheed Wallace's biggest impact, kind of like people say about Allen Iverson, correct? Where Allen Iverson's biggest impact was, you know, outside of the basketball court. It was it was in the community. It was in the culture, right? Mm-hmm. So Rasheed Wallace was a mouth. He was known as a tough guy. He has the third most technicals of all time, 317 nice. technical fouls. Nice. You want to know how many Giannis has? 31. <laughs> 31 for his whole career. He was a little he was a little crazy early in his career. I won't lie when I was Yeah, that. that's true. And, and the he, Dunleavy he, push that he did. That, that even, you know, his 31 text even includes the week one where he got in the playoffs this year where he was just looking at Horford after he dunked on him. Yeah. He did two the whole year. And that includes that one, which was weak. So in an era where the whistle is getting more and more common, this era right now, Giannis yep. only has 31 texts. Only 31. Rashid damn near had 31 in a season. <laughs> so, to me, Giannis is a humble superstar. Yep. He takes it like it is. And he's just going to let people talk. He's going to be in the gym working. And I have no idea why Rashid Wallace is going to compare to Giannis. It, it absolutely blows my mind. There's, there's really nothing. So, you laid out all the 36-minute stats. Yep. Uh, the, the other thing you didn't mention is that while Rashid is, is a good defender, Giannis is five-time All-NBA defense. I did not mention that. Um, obviously, Giannis has the Finals MVP, has the Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, Giannis is also the only player to be unanimous first-team All-NBA four times in a row. Yeah. Michael Jordan didn't even do that. LeBron James didn't even do that. James Harden didn't even do that. Kobe Bryant didn't do that. Those guys all did it three times. Giannis is the only one to do that four times consecutively. The only one. Giannis is only one of three players, which includes Michael Jordan and Akeem Olajuwon, to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. Giannis has a most improved award. Rasheed Wallace does not. I mean, that's just hardware. You can get into you can get into playoff statistics. Yeah. Rasheed Wallace playoff averages: thirteen and a half points, six point two rebounds, one point five assists, forty four percent shooting, thirty five percent on threes, and seventy one point seven percent on free throws. Giannis's playoff statistics, 26.8 points, 12 rebounds, 5.2 assists, 
52.7% from the free throw or from the field, 26.4 from the three-point line, and 62.8 from the free throw line. So you got to get real, real specific on where you find things that Rasheed Wallace actually does better than Giannis, which is three-point percentage, which, as Jake pointed out, there's a 3% difference in the regular season and a 9% difference in the playoffs and playoff free throw percentage, which is 9% different in the playoffs. None of those things are even remotely heavy enough to tip the scale in Rasheed Wallace's favor as far as overall is concerned. The only knock people ever have on Giannis until it happens is he doesn't have a jump shot. And people have a problem with this guy whooping y'all behind with four people on him. Getting the, you know he's going to the rim. So you're putting four people on him. He's still averaging 25. Rashid has never averaged 20. This dude listen, is he's insane. He is listen. Insane. So the thing is, is that points are points no matter where they come from. I don't care if it's zero to three feet or 10 to 15. Neither do I. And like you said, the uh, you know, the jump shot thing, that's always gonna be something that people have in the back of their minds. Mm-hmm. And and Giannis, like he you know what he does, and he's still gonna do it. Now, so here's the thing. All of these things that we've discussed are basically all the same things that it's like, okay, is Kevin Garnett better at all those things than Giannis? And I've had this monologue multiple times on the show that Giannis is better than Kevin Garnett. And now you're doing it for Rasheed Wallace, who is basically great value Kevin Garnett. He's a lesser player, yeah. So it makes no sense. So why... You know, there's there's nothing here. Like that's like Rasheed Wallace is a very good, like you said, role player. I don't think I'd ever put him above a third option on a team if I was building a team. Mm-hmm. I'd be okay with him being my third option. Um, you know, he did win a championship with the Pistons. That team was very good defensively. Uh, but they if I'm looking at a strong five across the board, let's be yes, honest. Yes, they did. Um, but if we're looking at today's. Um, Today's power forwards, I think I'd have him probably somewhere in the seven to nine range because he's not better than Giannis. He's not better than Anthony Davis, um, Kevin Durant, if you want to call him a small forward or power forward, whatever. Um, for me, he'd be in that Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis, Draymond Green. Um, let's see. I had one other guy I'm taking. I'm him. taking Draymond Green above. Above Rashid for sure. Yep, and I'm totally fine with that. Um, um, there was one other guy that I had that I was thinking of. Oh man, it's gonna bother me. Like you're not taking Rashid Wallace over Zion. No, hundred percent. Hundred percent. No. Bam Adebayo, I guess, is more of a center. Um, true position is power forward, but yeah, right. Huh? There was one other one that I was thinking of, and it's gonna bother me that I'm not. Sabonis is a very good name to bring up, in my opinion, because Sabonis is a guy that puts up really, really good numbers. He hasn't made the playoffs because he's been on some really, really bad teams. But <laughs> Sabonis and Rashid are very close to each other. They're both. Yeah, good I think players. like I think Julius Randle is worth putting in that conversation, even though I would probably take Randle, um, depending on if I needed more defense in my lineup or not. I would take Rashid over Randle, in my opinion. That's close, though. It is close. I mean, Randall can go off and he can score in bunches, but like you said, Rashid's probably better on defense and he stretches the floor. So, I mean, right. 
he would have a job in the NBA. I won't lie to you, but it's not, he's nowhere near Giannis. And the thing that really bothers me about this whole thing to be, to be completely open about it. The thing that bothers me is this older generation. Why do they have to knock players down to build other players up? Why can't you just say like, I think Rasheed Wallace would kill in this, in this era, you know, with how open the floor is and Mm -hmm. how much, how he has the green light to shoot threes. Why did you have to say he would be better than Giannis? Why did you have to knock Giannis down? Yep. We don't have to do that. We don't need that negativity. Seriously. That's And that's the thing that happens every single basketball debate is that no matter who you're talking about, LeBron's name is going to get brought up. Yep. It every doesn't matter time. what the debate is. It's going to happen. Yep. Um, you know, and whatever. But um, Pascal Siakam. John Collins, those are other guys, too, that I would say would end up being in that same tier. Uh, John Collins is the one that I was trying to think of. Um, you know, you know, you can – you can, yeah, and Taylor is exactly right. It is – it's a super toxic discussion yeah. because it's such a polarizing discussion, and it's – I don't know why it's hard to admit to say that, yeah, that guy has done other things. It's just my preference for this reason and this reason that I put him above him. And, you know, it, it comes down to it where we've had this this talk before. Uh, what's up, Isaac? We've had this discussion before where I can have a, a discussion and, and have it be, you know, fulfilling to a point with a fan of any team. It doesn't matter what team you're a fan of. I can have a good discussion with you if you can be intelligent and respectful. I don't care what the conversation is. We could be, I could be talking to a Vikings fan about Brett Favre. You know, it sucked seeing Brett Favre wearing purple. Yeah. But if we're having a discussion about it and it's, you know, it's not like, oh, Brett Favre hated the Packers. So he came to the Vikings. Like just, just saying dumb shit for the sake of saying dumb shit. Like you would really rather be, you know, have people pay attention to you for saying dumb shit than to actually have people respect your opinion. That's the shit we need to get away from as sports fans and as, as sports fans discussing things. It's saying dumb shit for attention instead of actually wanting people to respect your opinion. I understand the respected opinion is not usually the loudest voice, a la why beat reporters are actually very respected people, but Skip Bayless makes millions of dollars on TV. Bro, hold up. I don't know if I sent you this. First of all, I'm going to say that was a perfect transition. We didn't even plan it. I was going to bring up how toxic it is, you know, talking about the older generation, comparing Favre to Rodgers. I mean, older generation just knocks Rodgers down, knocks Rodgers down, talking about, oh, he did this, he choked this. Favre only won one here, too. And I would yep. argue that Favre had more talent. I, I could argue that. I really could. Sterling yeah. Sharp, Reggie White. I mean, we have a guy going in the Hall of Fame. I have his autograph right there. Got that breakfast with him. His name is Leroy Butler. Um, Hall of Famer, he had him on the team. I mean, there's just so much talent that Favre had around him. We had great offensive lines. Amon yeah. Green, one of our all-time favorites. Dorsey Levins was great. Yeah. I mean, Mike Wall, Marco Rivera, I could go on and on. Antonio the king of the Freeman. one-yard touchdown. A guy you just met, Donald Driver, he had for a long time. I know Rodgers yeah. got to play with him too, but it was only for a little, little bit. Yeah. But my point is being, we don't have to knock somebody down to make a point about somebody else. Yep. Why can't we just say this guy's great? And this is why I think he would kill in this league today, because or, I mean, you can do it with you can do it with active players too. You know, like Kirk Cousins is a guy either. that get brought up a lot. Um, you know, yeah. Kirk Cousins, in my opinion, he's a very slightly above average. 
quarterback. Doesn't mean that I, like, if I'm saying that Rodgers is way better than Kirk Cousins, that I'm like, Kirk Cousins sucks. That's not what I'm saying just because I'm not saying that I think Kirk Cousins is great or he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Like, People get so wrapped up in you not taking their side that they would rather imply that you mean the the like most radical thing of your argument than to actually listen to what you are saying and then make a logical, you know, respectful, intelligent reply to that. I'm going to bring this thing full circle real quick, right? So one of our goals is to help with people's mental health, correct? So the yep. reason why people troll and look for attention and the reason why people are angry and mad all the time is because of what's up here, right? So if they're having a bad day at work, they're going on the internet and they're like, oh, I'm just going to be angry. Oh, they're not thinking clearly, right? Or if there's somebody that feels like they need more attention in life, they're living alone, they have a sad life, and I'm not trying to talk trash about anybody. I'm just trying to say in general, mm-hmm. they're looking for attention. Those people, that is a real thing. You know, uh, mm-hmm. this this might sound a little bit out of the box, but it's, it's true. I've actually... I've been watching it a little bit differently now that I've started this show and I've thought differently about mental health and me and my girlfriend will just have MTV on. They show the show catfish and there's a lot of people on there with low self-esteem. And the reason that they act the way that they do is because of the life that they got brought up in. And that's really what I think happens in these sports groups. And we're trying to change that. You know, we're just two guys trying to talk football. Okay. I don't have to sit here and be like, Oh, screw the Vikings, man. All your players suck. Like, yeah, if I want to be childish and sound like a 9-year-old mm-hmm. or a 12-year-old or whatever age you want to sound like that's not a 30-year-old man, yeah, I'll do that. But I'm, I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm trying yeah. to talk numbers. I'm not trying to talk like, you know, do I think the Vikings can beat the Packers week one? Absolutely. They could, yeah. I'm not going to say that the Packers are going to kill them 45-6 to six or anything like that, which I also think could happen because our defense might surprise people, just saying. Right. And the Vikings yep. have a new, new head coach, new offensive coordinator. Yep. So and still a questionable offensive line. Right. So we don't we'll, we'll get into that. But right. I don't have to I don't have to sit here and be like, oh, I'm do all these childish games. You know, 90% of the time I just scroll past this shit now. So real quick before we continue, you brought up Skip Bayless and we brought up LeBron earlier. I found this picture the other day and it was just mind-boggling. Oh, yeah, I know what you're gonna bring up. Uh, Skip Bayless yep. has forty nine thousand eight hundred and fifty-six tweets. That mentioned LeBron James. That, that is, is 87% of his tweets. He, he mentions LeBron almost 50,000 times. That is absolutely I bet you I don't I bet you I don't have that many tweets total. Oh no. Dude, if you added all my social media up, I'm talking MySpace, I don't have 50k. 100% I don't have 50k. It's it's gonna be close, but dude, 50,000 tweets, bro. No. That ain't it. And that guy's rich. <laughs> yeah. Man. He's the skinny All man right. horse riding on LeBron's coattails. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So getting into the next discussion that we have here is I saw a meme and it said Taysom Hill makes more as a backup quarterback than all of the WNBA players combined. Now, the main thing that I have to say here is – do not compare the NFL to any other entertainment in America. Don't do Literally it. nothing Don't do it. compares to the NFL when it comes to entertainment in America. Uh, entertainment in America, it revolves around the NFL. Jake and I have had this discussion when we talked about the salary cap a couple months ago. 
where like the top 16 events on television were all NFL events and like 44 of the top 50. The only other things that pop up in there are like the crime shows like the NCIS, uh, FBI, those Chicago shows, um, Yellowstone, and 60 Minutes are really the only thing that compare in viewership to the NFL. And those are once a week shows where the NFL has 16 games every week. And then, you know, there's bye weeks. So then sometimes there's fewer, but on, on a regular week, there are 16 NFL games, one taking place on Thursday, a bunch of them on Sunday and then one on Monday. Uh, some of that's going to change a little bit like this year. They're doing two Monday night games a couple times, but that's yeah. really not the point. The point is, is that when you're talking about entertainment in America, the NFL is king. Uh, the only things that other really, you know, really other come close is like Avengers movies, Star Wars movies, and a, and a few occasional other box office, you know, movies. Um, other than that, like comparing the WNBA to the NFL, it's just not a fair comparison, you know. So just stop doing that. Stop bringing up other sporting things when it comes to talking about the WNBA because if you want the WNBA to thrive go attend a WNBA game oh I'm gonna bring that up go ahead lay out your thoughts on that oh so when I was researching this and I thought this was a great topic to talk about let's branch out of our our comfort zone that we're usually in we're gonna really flex the the brain muscles today I found an article and this is absolutely amazing it's by wsn.com this is where I found this and I wanted to see the revenue of the WNBA, but it did a comparison table of the WNBA versus the NBA. And then I'll get into the NFL. It's, it is mind-boggling. The revenue for the WNBA is $60 million. The highest-paid player in the NBA is Steph Curry. He makes $40 million. In 2025, Damian Lillard's going to make 60 That is ridiculous. So... So revenue for the NBA, by the way, is seven point four billion, which is second compared to the NFL. The NFL made eleven billion last year, and I was diving into numbers. And they're talking about Amazon's giving them a billion, and then uh, they're talking about NFL Sunday tickets gonna gonna give them a little over two billion. I'm like, shit. I've, I've heard Apple. I've heard Apple is the is the like the top player for Sunday ticket right now. It's crazy, man. Yeah, they're gonna make oh, over two billion on that. Um, and you know, I'm reading all these B's, and I'm like, what happened to all the M's when I was younger? <laughs> Jesus. So, when you look, when you dive deep into this, the average attendance, because I was gonna bring this up, right? The average attendance for an NBA game is eighteen thousand people. So it's not huge, but I mean, that's that's a full stadium. Yeah, I mean, you multiply that by eighty-two games a season, and that's a lot of attendance big number i mean each, average, each team has 41 home games so multiply it by 41 yeah we're gonna get into that number two the average number of attendance for a WNBA game is six thousand. so you got three times more people over going to an nba game every single night so then you dive into this right in the nba there's a total of 1300 games played in the regular season 1230 i meant mm-hmm there are if, if every playoff series went seven games, there would be a hundred. There's 105 possible playoff games. In the WNBA, there are 204 games total. Total. That's bad, dude. That's so not you're, me. You're gonna you're gonna talk about how you want it, and I believe it was Kelsey Plum. She plays for the Las Vegas Aces. Her her statement is a little more understandable. 
Yes. But at the same time, it's not. So she's talking about how she wants to make the same percentage as NBA players, right? And she says that NBA players make about 50% of, you know, the revenue where yeah. they're making about 20%. You have to take the wants and the needs and, and put them all in one little basket, right? Where you're not drawing the same crowds. You're not having the same value, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to talk about value with our next topic too, so I won't get too deep into it. Mm-hmm. But I did want to bring up the NFL revenue because we're talking NFL, right? Listen to this shit. Oh, this is, this is bad. So out of that $11 billion, they give $343.75 million to every team just because they can. Like, here's $350 million 32 times. Okay, cool. Average ticket price for an NFL game is $800. Do you know what the average ticket price to a WNBA game is? $17. That's sad. The highest average ticket price this year for a game this year that's left the market is actually, this was surprising to me, was Packers versus Giants. $2,136. The Packers had the fourth highest average ticket price in 2021. And going into this season, they have the fifth highest. They're at 575. That's what their average ticket price is. $575 to go to Lambeau Field to watch the Packers probably win 13 games. And I wrote down the 49ers because I wanted to say this number. Their average ticket price is $508.69. Nice. nice. <laughs> um, ahead of the Packers is the Patriots, Boston, big market, Raiders, yep. Las Vegas, big Vegas. market, Cowboys, stadium. and Buccaneers. Dallas. Brady. And yeah, Brady. So when you look at all that, it makes sense. I mean, you got Brady, you got the Cowboys, you got the Raiders, you got the Patriots, big city, and then you got the Packers. That's your that's your top five. So <laughs> the Buccaneers average ticket price is seven hundred and fifty seven dollars. <laughs> Inflation's hitting the NFL ticket prices, baby. Yeah, oh that's God. bad. Wow, we gotta get media credentials so we can go to those games for free. Hey, we're almost there. We're working. <laughs> we're almost there. But. Yeah, uh, I'm all done. I just threw a bunch of numbers at you, but average ticket price, that ends all debate. $800 for average to NFL game, 17 for WNBA game. Yes, I understand that there's a lot more WNBA games, but really, truthfully, now that there's 17 games plus the playoffs, the WNBA, they play 34 games. So they play du- they play double the games, but they don't play nearly as much as the NBA. So mm-hmm. I don't know what their excuse is. So, you know, this is just a – just uh, off the top of my head idea. If, if the if the WNBA wants to start attracting more viewership, obviously like television deals are a big part of it, but the WNBA needs to go the route of like the USFL and some minor league baseball things. They need to have some type of um, rule change that makes you want to watch the game because it's giving you something that you're not getting somewhere else. True. Um, I've seen people suggest like lowering the rims and stuff like that. Like, I don't think that needs to be done, but like well, just, just two weeks ago, I brought up the Elam ending where after the four minute mark in the fourth quarter, the clock is shut off and then you play to a set score. Um, so doing something like that, like if the WNBA could come up with a rule change that the NBA doesn't have, that would make people want to watch that that could be something that potentially increases WNBA viewership and maybe gets them a TV deal or 
you know, something like ESPN plus, or, you know, if WNBA could come up with their own streaming service and actually make these things more available to people like Wisconsin, we don't have a WNBA team. The closest one would be Minnesota or Chicago. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, that, for example, there's the entire Milwaukee, Green Bay, Madison market that has no WNBA, but you could potentially try to market to those people by saying, here's our streaming service. This is what we do that's different that you don't see in men's college basketball, which is also a huge revenue thing, yeah. or in the NBA. And when it comes down to player salaries for the WNBA, that's just what it comes down to uh, as far as as what pay is, is that it's just not as watched or attended. That's just the fact. It's it really is what it is. I'm not trying to say that women bring less to the game or anything like that. Cause there are some really, really great um, female basketball players, yeah. but it's just, it's just not as viewed attended and, you know, as, as regarded as the NBA and especially not the NFL. Cause like I said, nothing compares to the NFL in America when it comes to entertainment. So it's just a comparison. Like I said, this, this discussion came out from a meme that I saw about Taysom Hill making more than the entire WNBA combined, and it's just it's just not a fair comparison. Um, so, you know, that's, yeah, for, that's what it is. If we're doing it off percentage base, Taysom Hill is making his fair percentage for what his value is. Right. So why is why is everybody attacking him? <clears throat> yeah, he's not the best quarterback in the world, but the man does a lot of jobs. He tackles people, yeah. he plays tight end, he plays running back. He, put, he went in there at quarterback, took his lumps. I mean – there's nothing wrong with that. The guy's getting paid right. for being a utility player. Yep. So now, while we're on the subject of value, now this is this is a this is another different kind of discussion, and it stems from Kevin Durant requesting a trade. Another example could be Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been granted permission to seek a trade. If you are a regular person, like you have a regular full-time job, like Jake and I do, stop comparing yourself to a professional athlete when it comes to complaining about athletes making trade requests. So Kevin Durant can go and request a trade from the Brooklyn Nets, and the Brooklyn Nets could just say no, and you know Kevin Durant can play for the Nets next year, or the Nets could say, okay, we'll trade you to wherever we want. Mm -hmm. or they could try to accommodate Durant, or they could just hold on to him, and Durant could say, I'm not going to play, and then he doesn't get paid. So there's that. That's all options. But going out of your way to make a post that says, Kevin Durant can go make a trade request, but I can't do that at my job. I can't ask my job to trade me to another company. That's such a dumb thing to say. Like, that's not... Stop comparing your job to that of a professional athlete. You, at your job, do not your, – your job is not nationally televised. Maybe it is, and that would create a potential thing for you to have more eyes on you. If you are super high up at a company and people that are in your industry know who you are, that's a little bit different. But if you make $15 an hour at Target – stocking shelves do not complain to me that you can't ask your job to trade you to walmart because 15 dollars an hour does not mean the same thing to target as 40 million dollars a year means to the brooklyn nets when you're talking about kevin durant it's not the same thing and then if you want to go to the flip side of that coin and you want to say 
you know, why am I not like a professional athlete when it comes to trade requests? What if your employer could just say, hey, you work at Target? We've traded you to the Target in San Diego. Pack your bags. <laughs> what about That's my wife? Not... <laughs> exactly. There's you know, there's nothing in the NBA outside of having no trade clauses that say that they can't just trade you to another team because they want to. James might be on the right track. That's a good comparison, too. You become a target. Yeah. yeah. There you, you go, Isaac. That's a good way to put that. Um, James said a better comparison would be trying to move to another position in your company and being denied that. That's I, 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 that. I, I understand what you're getting at, but as far as comparing it to that of a professional athlete, Kevin Durant saying, let's, let's just use the, let's use the Miami Heat as an example. So Kevin Durant can say, hey, would you be interested in trading me? I'd like to be traded to the Miami Heat. You can't go to Target and say, can you trade me to Trader Joe's when nobody at Trader Joe's knows who you are, has no idea what you bring to your job, how much value you bring to your company. Why would they even think about doing that? You can quit your job at Target and go apply at Trader Joe's. But when it comes to professional athletes, they are in demand because they do their jobs on television. They do their jobs in front of scouts. Now, you could be headhunted if you're you know, a super important person at your job. You could be headhunted by somebody at another company, and they could recruit you to come work at their company. Where you could be you know, scouted by uh, colleges, for example. You could be scouted by colleges, and they say, hey, come, come attend our college. But it's not the same as you working a regular job. Not even close. They are contracted. If you, if you, I mean, if you want to work it into a contract that you can ask Walmart to tr- to to be able to find you another job at another company if it's not working out for you at Walmart. I mean, you go ahead and try that. And let me know how it works for you. But it's not the same thing because you know Walmart's not going to go up to Target and say, "Hey, we have this employee." What would you would you be willing to give us, you know, yeah. two pallets of televisions in exchange for this person? He, he has three call-ins in the last two years, and he, they uh, know nothing about you. Yeah, like what are they going to say? Like, but this is stupid. <laughs> this is stupid. So the comparing yourself to to a person who is contracted, um, it's it's just not a good comparison to make, and there's no. There's no level ground there to make it make sense. I have no idea what the correlation is. I have no idea what this person's brain was thinking that day to think this is even close. <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say my little piece real quick here. I'm not trying to cut you off, but the point the only point I'm gonna make, you know, because we're talking numbers and we're talking value, and Tyler brought up to fifteen dollars an hour, which is going to be, you know, the baseline pretty soon. You getting paid $15 an hour and putting coffee out is not the same value as Giannis is to the Bucks. You know, I, I kept it Wisconsin sports because, you know, we're a Wisconsin sports show. So in 2013, the Milwaukee Bucks value was $312 million. That is not very good in the sports world, by the way. What are they worth now that Giannis is a superstar? We're title contenders and we won a title? $1.9 billion. He took us from under a half half million to almost two billion. 
You tell me that your value is as good as that stocking the coffee or making sure all the TVs run or helping somebody in the gaming section get a video game out of the case. You're telling me your value is as big as that? I'm sorry, it's not. Hey, I must have I must have missed, you know, Hank from from the hardware department in Walmart and the in the jersey sales in the top ten in the NBA. I must have missed that. Yeah. I didn't see I didn't see Hank from hardware in there. Yeah, I agree. Trade you for what? If you're unhappy, you can quit and go somewhere else. See, and that that's the thing too, James. I'm going to read James' comment. He said, the biggest difference is you're not under control at, mo- at most of your job. Trade you for what? If you're unhappy, you can quit and go somewhere else. Durant can't just do that. And I saw somebody's comment on this uh, a couple weeks ago. I remember who it was. Um, he actually lives in Sheboygan. We know when we play basketball, when he shoots threes, he's a Utah Jazz fan. Um, Phil. He worked. Yeah, Phil. There it is. I knew if I just named Rand Facts. But <laughs> Phil, and Phil's a smart guy. And yep. Phil brought up the fact that people are very mad that athletes today, on top of being athletes, are business. Oh, they're business people. Yep. So they control their business. And the person that started this, and the reason that everybody hates him, is LeBron. It's LeBron James. Yep. LeBron is like, listen. I would, I I would say Jordan has that too, but Jordan is specifically, when he started it, was just shoes. Yep. He, you know, I saw today that only 6% of his career earnings came from when he played. That is nuts. And this guy's worth almost like $300 billion. But anyways, um, people are mad because LeBron was just like, listen, I got a one in a million chance making the NBA and I'm one of the top players. And, you know, I'm going to all-star games and I'm getting considered one of the greats. I'm on the Mount Rushmore. You know, that does not just happen. Okay. And it's, you're yep. very, very blessed for that. And LeBron was like, I'm going to take control of this situation. I'm going to make sure I always put myself in the best position and I'm always the happiest. How can you be mad at somebody like that? Just same the, thing with Devontae. Packers fans are mad at Tay because he went and played for his favorite team. Get over here. And with his, friend, with his college friend. And he wanted his grandma to watch him play football. You shut up right now about Devontae. <laughs> if I wanted my grandma to watch me, I'd flip teams too. Come on. So the thing with professional athletes nowadays is that they're not just, they're not just the name on their jersey anymore. You know? Professional athletes – they are brand names. Yeah. You're like, look, when you think about players, you think about the things that they're affiliated with. Like, you think about LeBron James, you're not only thinking about the Los Angeles Lakers or the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Miami Heat. You're thinking about Nike. You're thinking about all of the endorsements that he's done. You're, th- you know, those things are part of that player's brand now. Yeah. Um. And James said it too, you know, you know, players not being able to decide your future um, to a point, you know, as far as your contract goes, you are controlled by the contract you sign until that contract is up. And then you have creative freedom. Essentially, you're unemployed when your contract is up. You know, you're a free, you're a free agent, but technically you're unemployed until you sign a new contract. I mean, would you sign a contract at your job that says you could be traded to, you know, another company that does the same thing that you do in another state? And after three years, if your company isn't interested in bringing you back, you're just unemployed. And and then take it take it the next step further. So these guys can be traded to bad teams, right? They all want to win. They all want to win titles. You mm-hmm. can get traded to a bad team without your control. And take take that at, at a normal working man's perspective. You got to go work at this place where all your coworkers call in, and some of them are lazy and they don't clean up after themselves. Like that's the kind of situation that these guys have to think about putting themselves in. You know, like a guy not going to get a rebound. Yeah, I'm comparing that to a guy moving a pallet. You know, 
you know, thinking about forklift jobs. Right. Yeah, that, that's really annoying, okay? I get mad when Mark doesn't move that damn pallet. Move the damn pallet, Mark. Go get the damn rebound, Bruce Brown. I mean, it's the same thing if you really think about it, but that's the correlation that I got in my head. Yeah, but, you know, like I'm glad you brought up the the business, the the athletes being business people thing, because that's, that's a valid point to bring up as well. Yeah. yeah. Get, get over yourself. I mean, All right. And, and just, just do a little bit of critical thinking. You know, you can you can discuss these things in your head. Hell, grab a notebook and write all these things down and think about them before you go and make a post on social media. Yeah, right. That's a lot of work, baby. <laughs> uh, it is a lot of work. It's so much easier. And, you know, we've we've had this discussion a hundred times that it's so much easier to go on social media and be angry than it is to slow down, think about what you're going to say before you say it, and then decide to do what you're going to do. You know, uh, how it is way easier to be angry first. Right. Um, do you know how much less responsibility you have if all you do is just troll and say stupid shit all day? People don't expect you to say smart stuff. That's a mm-hmm. lot of responsibility, you know, because when you when you say smart stuff, people will tag you in a post and be like, oh, destroy this guy with your facts. I'm sorry. I can't be there from nine to five. I'm at my job. <laughs> so let's just all take a break, man. And, you know, ah, Tyler brought it up last week about sharing fake quotes and i saw a couple yeah. this week and i never really thought about it that much until tyler was so passionate about it last week and i was like oh now it's, it's annoying me. now it's, it's annoying bad. me it's i really me hope that doesn't become a thing like i hope that goes away but yeah that's that's bad um isaac brought up an interesting thing imagine if jobs allowed trades to other businesses there would be people everywhere now <laughs> imagine finding out let's just let's just say Let's say you're working at a retail establishment and let's say the pay goes anywhere from from 10 to $30 an hour for whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Let's say there's somebody that makes 20 bucks an hour the and you make 10 and there's somebody at the other company that your company wants and you become the throw-in in a trade with another company and you find out that you're not worth as much to your job as you thought you were. Yeah, you're the bologna sandwich. How's that feel, Melissa? Pretty good, huh? <laughs> and you know, and you find out that you're not as valuable to your job as you thought you were. And Isaac, just think about that. If every you know every store does have a, a quote unquote general manager, you have a manager at your job. But like, as far as a general manager is concerned, in in sports terms, where they manage the personnel, imagine if you had somebody who was in charge of scouting. At, at Walmart, and their job was to go into Target and to go into Meyer and into Hy-Vee and and to try to find employees that are good at their jobs and try to recruit them to come work at Walmart or you know uh, like a restaurant, for example. Um, James was brought up that he works at Olive Garden. Let's let's just say that your boss at Olive Garden, the manager of your Olive Garden. They're, they had a person whose job it was to go to Red Lobster and Outback Steakhouse and Ponderosa back in the day <laughs> and and to try to find waiters and waitresses and bartenders and dishwashers and cooks and try to get them to come to your company and said to <laughs> said to the manager of those restaurants, we will trade you James for your bartender, and one of your cooks. Oh, James is a, a two-for-one. Good work, James. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, James is a, is a really good Olive Garden employee. So you know we're gonna need we need your we need your best bartender, and if you could throw in a prospect, uh, throw in a, a young a young busboy who's got a who's a prospect. This like that's just it's a weird discussion, but that's it doesn't sound right, does it? It just it doesn't sound like a normal discussion because it's not because your job at Olive Garden, James. I appreciate your job. You know, you have a job. That's your thing. But I, I'm sorry this is going to sound mean, but, like, you don't mean as much to Olive Garden as Kevin Durant means to the Brooklyn Nets. No. People are still going to get their pasta. James, we love you. But people are still going to get their pasta and their and their endless salads, okay? Sorry. Yeah. It's just going to keep and on going. You might be worth a lot to Olive Garden. You could be their best employee, and you could have a lot of respect to the people around you. But if you work at the Olive Garden, you live in Tennessee, I think, right? So if you work at the Olive Garden in Tennessee, I promise you that the Olive Garden in Washington doesn't know who you are. They have zero idea. I, I promise you that um, ESPN, that Scott Van Pelt, I guarantee you that Scott Van Pelt does not know who I am. Yeah, no idea. Even though we both have jobs in sports media. I guarantee you Adam Schefter does not know who I am, even though I've made fun of him several times. <laughs> Uh, Sham Sharania, he does not know who I am. <laughs> he, got more hair. he probably brushes his shit, though. That's the difference. Durant be looking homeless, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, that's that's what I'm getting at is, you know, you don't mean as much to, to Walmart or Target as Kevin Durant does to the Brooklyn Nets because you are not one of the top five people that works at Target Whereas Kevin Durant is top five of the players in the NBA. Yeah, sorry, it's not close. It's not. There's a there's a big ladder for James to climb for him to get into the top five employees at Olive Garden. Durant is already top five in the NBA. So, all right. All right. You have anything else you want to add to that discussion? No, it's stupid. Let's not talk about that anymore, ever again, because I Listen, can't believe somebody said that out loud. I, you know, I apologize if it sounds a little harsh, but it, it's a, it's a fact of the matter when you are a regular person versus a world class athlete. I mean, the guy represented America and won gold medals. So, I mean, yeah. that that right there kind of tells you where I lie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, hey, I've played in rec league before. <laughs> yeah, all right. James, we're, we're absolutely not trying to dig on you. Don't take it like that, man. Uh, we were just using you as an example. Isaac <laughs> does taxes over there. You think Isaac is one of the top five people doing taxes in the country? No. You think, you does, think, you it, think I'm do, one of I the mean, top five people delivering beer? No. It is I mean, it is. like, yeah, does, does the inventor of Miller know who your name is? Absolutely not. And he's really old, by the way. But, no, he does not. Uh, do you think any of the Linen Kugels know who you are? No, but I do want to meet them one day. That would be amazing. I'm very proud of you for knowing that they're a Miller product. I know, <laughs> I know things. Not a lot of people know um, that. Some rivals saying we should get Here comes some rivals are saying they should beat the Packers, yeah. Uh, Dan said I'm not top five and I'm the only employee. <laughs> 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 do you know who you are, though, Dan? If you know who you are, you and the boss knows who you are, then you got You got to start. You're somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I work at a small company. Like I, I work at a, you know, a family-owned company. But like, I'm I'm in a warehouse employee. 
There is not a single person in Los Angeles, California that runs a warehouse that knows who I am. Yep. Or Brooklyn. Or Brooklyn. Or or hell, Milwaukee. There's nobody that works in a warehouse in Milwaukee that knows who I am, and I'm an hour north of there. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Moral of the story is stop comparing your, your regular job to the job of professional athletes because it's not even comparable. It sounds ridiculous when we do it, and we just we just did it, and it sounds ridiculous. Hey, if if we wanted to, I could give you a list of people I would have traded for my last job. Dude, right? <laughs> There's a couple. There's a couple. Dude, can can we trade Janet for a new heater in the winter? Seriously, I would easily I would easily trade Janet and her whole cubicle just to have a new heater for the winter time. Is that is that a name drop? Is that a real name drop? No. That was oh. strictly an example. Oh, um, I was going to give a real name because Brian, I would, oh, that guy sucks. <laughs> that guy sucks can, so bad. Can we trade Dan to to Lowe's for a new forklift? Like, can we do that? Like, um, <laughs> so it's, so it's, it's a, it sounds ridiculous to say stuff like that. So stop, stop comparing it because it's not, it's not the same thing. Um. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Oh, I don't. Dan's know willing to be I traded know. for a forklift. <laughs> oh, you're All right. right. Oh, okay. That, that's good. Dan would Dan would waive his no trade clause for for trading him to forklift. <laughs> that's exactly. James said it. people are lucky we can't be traded at our jobs. There's a couple people I'd suggest to the manager to trade at Nissan Stadium. Hey, that's. That's part of the territory. You have to work with people you don't like sometimes. Sometimes you want to know what the worst part is, dude. The person that I named was my manager, but I would definitely trade him. <laughs> I would go to his boss. That's, who's, so who's you're trying to order. get your coach fired. That's what you're doing. You're trying to yeah, get your yeah. coach fired. Oh my god, I am LeBron. Oh my god, <laughs> I am LeBron. Yeah, I'm trying to get my head coach fired, man. You are you are the LeBron of Nina Beer Miller filling. No, no, no. This was at Pepsi. Oh, okay. So Pepsi. All right. All right. That's you then. All right. We're going to switch into some more practical discussion now that we've engaged in the hypothetical, ridiculous, that was fun. what if what if Walmart had general managers that could trade people? Oh, That's man. That's it. I'm getting a name tag. That's it. Late GM. GM Jake, baby. Oh, man. Let's go. <laughs> that was weird. No way, dude. We might have to do a bonus episode on that someday, just to just to extend that argument to even more ridiculous points. Okay, okay, I'm gonna say it now. Do you remember Frito Carl? Yep. He would have been on the trade list. Let's let's both be. Yeah, yep. real quick. Yeah. If okay, let's. I'm gonna give an example of. Let's say you work at a company that has an old dude that's been there for like 30 years, and he sucks at his job. I had this at my last job. You have a dude that's just been there forever, and they won't fire him just because he's been there ever, forever, even though he's terrible at his job. You just just try to dump salary to another company that does the same thing, and just be like, "Hey, like, we're just trying to do a salary dump for this guy who's going to retire soon. Like, help us out. We're trying to rebuild." Yeah, will you guys take him in? <laughs> will you will you pay him for two more years until he retires? That was funny was when I was in basic training. At the end of each phase, we could vote people to send to another platoon in exchange for someone else. Man, that was a toxic survey. And half the time, the new trainee w- wasn't any better. Oh, my God. 
That's terrible. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I wish I remember now, this guy. Oh, damn. Now, what you if... probably know him. He did Southside Walmart route, by the way. James, now what if... What if it was somebody's job, a la Adrian Wojnarowski, to go and find out that you said that and then tell everybody in the country that you said you want your teammate traded? Yeah. On Wisco like, Fanatics today, they said they would trade Carl. Yeah. Screw that guy. Yeah. And his stinking armpits and his mustache. Yeah. What? If, yeah. I mean, what if like like Simon and Bryant are joining us to do Packers shows? What if what if I met a Vikings fan that I could actually have intelligent discussions with? And I'm like, God, I wish I could trade Simon for that guy. Oh, we're trading Simon? Oh, my gosh. I'm just giving you an example. I know. I hope he hears this and he takes it to offense because I know how it is. It's going to be really funny. <laughs> but you know, like they, that's the that's the thing. Like Simon's on my team, but if I like somebody from a different market, and I was like, "Hey, I want to trade for that guy," like, "Sorry, Simon, I like you, but I want to trade you." <laughs> Isaac said he would trade his, his coworker for scented toilet paper. You know, scented so, toilet paper would be nice. Now lie. that we've extended this argument, this discussion to an even more ridiculous place. Um, we're going to kind of run through the, the Brewers' four games last week. Not going to spend a lot of time on them because we want to spend more time talking about the midseason stuff uh, and going forward. So mm-hmm. um, uh, if you just want to start with game one, let's just run through these really quick, and then let's get to the, the juicier stuff that we're going to discuss. Uh, all right, all right, all right. That's, God, so annoying. I don't want to do this. Well, first game, Brewers won. Uh, Corbin Burns was Corbin Burns, uh, Cy Burns. Uh, he had seven and a third, four hits, uh, one earned run, had 10 Ks, three walks. No home runs in this game for the Brewers, which was kind of nice to see them producing runs without the home run. But the thing that really bothers me, and it's just a trend that keeps continuing, is the runners left on base. They had 14 runners left on base in a game where they scored three. Like that, cut that in half. Seriously, just cut that in half, and you win this game easily. You know, you don't have to stress as much. Um, I do want to give another shout out to Hobie Milner because he was amazing again. And he's he only pitched twice, but he was very good this week. Uh, he had an inning pitch, no hits, no earned runs, no walks, didn't have any strikeouts. But the point is, nobody gets on base with this guy. He gets him out, so does his job. Yep. What do you got? He got you know he got some he got out of a big jam in the eighth inning of that game. Hobie yeah. Milner did. Um, James said being in Nashville, he's seeing that the sounds are doing great with a lot of the Milwaukee prospects that are there. Um, Garrett Mitchell might be on his way to Nashville soon, too, because he's freaking raking after his injury. Um, you know, like you said, uh, Jonathan Davis quietly playing very well. Uh, he had a couple hits in this game. Um, Corbin Burns, <laughs> since the beginning of last season, Corbin Burns has 15 games where he has induced 20 swing and misses. Oh my god. <laughs> My God. So many. Oh, my God. 15 games out here, Simon. Simon, I was just talking about trading you to a Vikings podcast. You already traded. traded. (laughs) That's why he came in. You you can still watch the show, but you can't join anymore. Uh, Somebody's talking about him. (laughs) He's probably so confused right now. Like, what? I got traded? (laughs) Like, waking up from a three-hour nap. What the hell? (laughs) Um, In this game, Corbin Burns also became the leading uh, franchise player of double-digit strikeout games. He now has 19. He passed Giovanni Gallardo. Um, and Trevor Gott did a good job in the bottom of the ninth, got two strikeouts. Uh, and 
like Jake said, that was the Brewers' one win in the series. Going into the game two, Brewers scored five runs all in the fifth inning. Um, Brewers had six hits, six walks. Woodruff pitched pretty well, except for the five walks. I'd like to see that brought down. Yep. Um, Brewers left 11 on base in this game. Uh, Hobie Milner, another inning and a third, no hits. John Gustave had an inning pitched, uh, one hit, one strikeout. Um, I'll let Jake talk about the the bottom of the ninth inning just because I know I'm sure he's got it written down. But the Brewers struck out 13 times in this game. Yeah. Uh, bottom of the ninth. I mean, the thing that's wrong with Hayter, um, I looked into it and I was looking at his location of his pitches. And early in the year, he mm. was using that rise fastball. You know, like he always does, a slider down and away, make you look down there. And then the high fastball gets you swinging and gets you, gets you biting on that. Changing he's, the levels. He's leaving a lot of shit over the heart of the plate and belt high. So I don't care who you are. I don't care how well you hide the ball. Obviously, we're seeing that. Hader throws 98, 99, and he hides the ball better than anybody, you know, in baseball with his delivery to the plate. And you leave it over the middle, belt high. These are professional athletes. Yeah, you're throwing not, the ball straight. Yeah. Doesn't it, matter they're they're going to they're gonna be like, okay, uh, my muscle memory tells me I have two seconds to swing. And if it's right here, I'm going to hit it really far because it's coming really fast. So, <laughs> Hader, he just needs to clean up his location, man. That's that's really all it is. And and what that is is right here. And I, and I talked about it last week, and I really think that it's just all mental for him. I really It's do. just an execution thing. Yeah. Um, and like we've talked about with, with Burns, with Woodruff, with Freddie Peralta, with Josh Hader, those guys are all power pitchers. So you throw the ball hard into the plate, the ball is coming hard off the bat. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just what it is. Like if you see the, the home run that John Carlos Stanton hit yesterday, like the ball was like shaped like a C around the bat. And those balls are hard. Yeah. You ever had one of those land on your toe? Yeah. It hurts. Dude, getting hit by a pitch sucks and then a man like and then you see the baseball that john carlo stanton hit yesterday and it's just wrapped around the bat like a car on a high-speed crash that's crazy man and that's with a wood bat that's why they don't play with metal that is exactly why they don't play with metal bats yeah can you imagine (laughs) being like 600 foot homers and shit that'd be nuts let's just do one week just one week of metal bats Home the pitcher gets a net. The pitcher gets a net in front of him, and we do one week of metal bats in Major League Baseball. Okay, I'm with it. I'm metal with it. bat that week. That would be sick. Just do it like the middle of August when, when you know, right before the playoff races start to wind up, mm-hmm. but after the trade deadline. So when it's really quiet for like that two weeks, just like the middle of August, we're metal bat week. We might have just thought of something, man. For minor league, that could be <laughs> sick. That could be trying, sick, to, trying to spice up the popularity of baseball. <laughs> All right, going into the third game of the series, Brewers only had five hits, only one walk. They didn't only strike out seven times as a team, so that's better. They're putting the ball in play more. Eric Lauer was very good. He pitched seven innings, only gave up two hits, three walks. I'd like to see that down a little bit. Four strikeouts and only one earned run. It was very good. Um, the game ended up coming down to a very questionable balk call. Um, which you know, Brewers could have avoided by scoring more. It's obviously easier to say than do, but um, I mean, it, like the balk was called because he brought his glove up and then back down. Like that's such a weird thing to end yeah. up losing a game over. But when it comes to officiating in any sport we've discussed, 
Jake and I are very firm believers that if you're complaining about the refs, unless it literally cost you, you know, points or whatever it be, and even if it does, there are still almost always things that you could have done to avoided that scenario in the first place. Yep. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's the, the pass interference that wasn't called um, against the Packers in the Packers-Buccaneers game where Lazard had his jersey tugged on that led to an interception that led to the touchdown that beat Kevin King in the end zone. Had the Packers been better on third downs in that game, the Packers still could have won that game. So yep. it doesn't matter what the discussion is. It's There's always things you could have done to take the ref or officiating or umpire um, mistakes out of it and made it a non-factor. Yep. Looks like my Layla said, hi, Daddy, I love your podcast. Oh, Layla said, hello. Lily said, hi, Daddy, I love your podcast. That's my kids chiming in on the podcast. <laughs> Um, the, the balk, that was tough to swallow, really. Um, he didn't make a move really towards home. He didn't make a move towards the plate, but I guess the, the up and down of the glove is, that's a super nitpicky rule to call, especially in a bases loaded situation. I mean, late in a game. In the Brewers and Giants that if the Brewers fall, you know, in the second place, both these teams are going to be fighting for wild card positioning. And you're gonna you're gonna call that? I mean, that's... if it's the third inning, you know, whatever. But it's in the eighth inning. Like I'm I'm this way with basketball too. Uh, when it comes down to like the last two minutes of the game, like let them play. Let the game be about the talent and the players, not your whistle. So I, I feel similarly about this in baseball, where it's like if you're you know making these calls and you're gonna be really super technical about it, do that shit earlier in the game, late in the game. Let it be about the players. I agree. All right. You have anything else from game three? No, that game pissed me off. I turned the TV off after the balk. I didn't even watch. I was like, I'm done. That's All right. Let's go. Let's go to game four. Oh, Packers brought uh, in wide receiver John Brown. Do you think the Packers sign him? Um, interesting move. Oh, yeah. That's, these you mates cool. If they're Wisconsin fans, that means they're Packer fans, so they're lame. Oh! Oh! Wow! Ouch! Who are you, like Jared? Don't start with me, Jared. I'm in a mood today, bro. Don't start with me. <laughs> um, I guess so. I guess oh, we're finding out that the Packers brought in John Brown for a workout. Um, I don't see it unless they're letting somebody go. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I don't know. That is, hmm, it's weird. I uh, there's so many wide receiver possibilities for the Packers now that Devontae's on. Oh, ouch! Oh man, ouch! Yeah. Well, you ready to go four and thirteen this year? uh, I mean, yeah, your your New Jerseys look nice. You know your throwbacks, but you'll take an L in those too, just like you will a lot of times this this year. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, let's go to game four of that Brewers-Giants series. All right, here's the thing that I got on counsel about. Alexander is better when he starts. 
Now, I don't understand why you pitch Ashby for one inning and then switch to Alexander. In my opinion, to have flipped it because Ashby has more experience coming out of the bullpen. And I think it would be harder to adjust to a lefty than a righty. So I would have started Jason Alexander, who was a scheduled starter that day. And then if you get into a tough spot, you have a lefty up to the plate or a guy that's not used to Ashby, you know, his slider, because it's very good. Then you mm-hmm. bring Ashby in. But having it the other way around. It was it was weird because sense. it was Alexander's day, his scheduled day to start. Like Alexander or Ashby had just pitched a few days before that, like three or four days before that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a weird thing. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like like Council trying to kind of trick the Giants into putting a, a lineup on the field that was made to face left-handed pitching. Um, which is like it's more of a playoff thing. Um, you know, I don't know I don't know what the what the logic was behind it for for right before the all-star break. Yeah, I don't, I don't it didn't make sense to me. And then the Giants were hitting the damn baseball all around the field the first couple innings, and it was just ugly in the first three innings, and it was like, eh. But Do you remember? I'm not gonna I think it was. I think it was like two or three weeks ago when I brought up that Jason Alexander had a really low ERA but a really high WHIP, so he was putting a lot of guys on bases, but he was working out of a lot of jams. I mean, mm-hmm. we use the term "law of averages" a lot, and eventually those things were gonna even back out. Um. You know, and and Brad, that's kind of what I'm saying when he's when he's trying to send a message that he's trying to essentially trick the Giants into thinking, "Hey, we're putting a lefty on the mound today, not a righty." Um, but ultimately, it re- resulted in Jason Alexander being sent back down to AAA, which, in my opinion, signals that Adrian Hauser is going to be ready on the other side of the All Star break to take his spot back in the rotation. Um, I'm going to touch on it when we get to what's next for the Brewers uh, as far as the rotation is concerned, but. Um, Connor mm-hmm. Sadzik did get to make his debut. Um, uh, Devin Williams was named an all-star after this game. He did pitch yesterday, got three outs. Um, and then another guy, Tyrone Taylor, should also be back um, after the all-star break. But looking going into the all-star break, I saw a lot of fans saying the Packers are, or the, the Brewers are limping into the all-star break. Um, the Brewers need the all-star break, which is something that Jake and I said last week. Looking at the – going into the all-star break – under since 2018 in 2018 they lost six straight going into the all-star break in 2019 they lost five out of six in 2020 there was no all-star break because they had the stupid 60 game season which is still so dumb and annoying uh, and last season they lost three straight including six of eight and this year they lost three straight including six of eight so the Brewers you know I don't know what it is that needs to be fixed there to not stumble into the all-star break so often, but it's not something new and it's not something that's ever handicapped the Brewers from finishing strong in, um, you know, finishing strong in the season. And the Brewers have actually been very good under Craig Council in September. Um, oh, look at Joe is in here. Got Joe watching the show. Um, so aside from that, I'm looking, I'm looking more forward Um and to evaluate from the middle of the season so far and what the Brewers can do to improve in the second half more than I am looking at, you know, the Brewers had a, as a losing streak coming into the all-star break and, you know, we need to, we need to make a whole bunch of trades. Like I just want to look at what's, what's been done so far as a whole, as far as the half season 
quote unquote half of the season is finished. So um, Jake and I are going to do that. And we're going to do instead of a power pair from those four games, we're going to do a power pair from the first half of the season. So do you want to start with pitchers or hitters? Start with pitchers. Do you want me to start? Yep. Go ahead. We're doing our power pair right now, correct? Yep. Pitchers. Let's do it. Sorry. I had to get my one little stat sheet up. I wrote it on my phone because it was a lot easier. faster. Okay. Mm. So my first half, my pitcher, um, I have Corbin Burns. Um, He's just – he's Corbin Burns. He's the reigning Cy Young Award winner. He said, trade hater, we can't keep all these pitchers. There is last something week. to be said about that. I'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. Finish, finish your burns, um, and then before I do I my have pitch, burns. Burns. Yeah, um, I have 130. He has 113 point and two thirds innings pitched, only a 180 average, um, a 0.90 whip, which is very, very good. 144 strikeouts, and he has 11.40 case per nine. So, the guy's just doing what he does. Uh, repeating what he did last year, and if this offense can take off and we get some other pitchers, there will be a little bit less pressure on him to do what he does, and I think he'll flourish with that. But Corbin Burns, to me, has been the best pitcher. All right, so before I do mine, let's talk about another pitcher because the hot topic is Josh Hader. So he's um, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at this because I'm going to talk about Josh Hader when we talk about things to improve on. <clears throat> Josh Hader, he's not getting traded this season. He's just not. Um, if he gets traded, it'll be next year because he's still under contract through next season. So the Brewers aren't trading Josh Hader with a year and a half on his contract. Still, if the Brewers are going to trade him at all, it's going to be next summer. Um, <clears throat> but I'm going to talk more about Josh Hader in a little bit. Um, so <clears throat> for me, uh, I didn't want to double up on Corbin Burns, so I went with Devin Williams. Um, I mean, I talked about it last week. He's 25 straight scoreless appearances. Um, and he's a guy that was super polarizing in the beginning of the season because he struggled out of the gate a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jake and I being the guys that we are when it comes to analysis and wanting to be positive and optimistic said, Hey, look at everything he's done. And you're comparing a sample size this big. And now people are doing the same with Josh Hader. You're taking a week of sample size, a four-game sample size, and saying saying that to say that the that Major League Baseball has him figured out over a four-game stretch when he's been dominant for four years. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that four-year sample size over this four-game sample size when it comes to Josh Hader. But Devin Williams has a 177 ERA. Uh, he's lowered it from 315 down to 177 since he last gave up runs, which was May 10th. Um, and he's he's got 23 holds, which leads the NL. Um, and now he's an all-star, which deservedly so. So I went with Devin Williams as far as a power pitcher. I will say, as an honorable mention, um, I wanted to throw Hobie Milner in there because we've discussed it a bunch of times, that Hobie Milner does not get enough credit for how good and how reliable he's been for the Brewers this year. Obi Milner's pitched 36 and a thirds innings, has a 198 ERA and a 1.02 whip, which is walks and hits per inning pitch. That's that's very, very good from a guy that on the radar of most people 
would not have been expected to be a major contributor this year. And now he's a guy that I feel you could roll out just as comfortably as you roll out Brad Boxberger, who has also been very good for the Brewers this year outside of a couple minor hiccups. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, Brad, like, you, you know, you could get more for Hader this year because he does have that other year. Um, you know, it just – it comes down to what what are you trying to accomplish? If the Brewers are trying to win a World Series, trading Josh Hader just doesn't make sense um, because you're going to need your bullpen in the playoffs and you're going to need them more often, and you're going to use, you know, your starters less. So, I mean, you're going to need Josh Hader if you want to compete for a World Series, even if you have Devin Williams. You can go forward with Devin Williams as your closer, but when it, when you're a competing team, you just don't trade your best players. That's just what it comes down to, unless you're getting something equally valuable in return, which I don't think there's a trade scenario where Josh Hader is part of a package that gets the Brewers Juan Soto. I was going to say so, Juan Soto. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or Aaron Judge, even though I've seen that floated out there, that the Brewers are going to trade Josh Hader for Aaron Judge straight We're up. We're not going down the rabbit hole we're not going down there, Rabble, again. <laughs> no, nope, not so, not today. You know, Josh Josh Hader could net, you know, this heap of prospects, but the Brewers they have an underrated farm system. I mean, Jackson Trujillo is probably untouchable now because his name is among like crazy other names that are now all household names. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there's there's a, a bunch of talent in the Brewers minor league system, um, and we'll talk about some of the draft picks next week too, but. Um, the Brewers are not they're not in a position to trade one of their best players unless they're getting um you know something equally as valuable in return. And as far as you know, you're not getting another closing pitcher in return for Josh Hader, because then that's just gonna be a lateral move for whoever you're doing the deal with. And I don't think you're getting an Aaron Judge or a Juan Soto. So everything else that you would potentially be trading Josh Hader for, knowing that his value is higher with an extra year of of contract on him is just not good enough value to trade him. There's, there's nothing that the Royals could add to Andrew Benatendi that would make sense for me to want to trade him to the Royals or um, like the Phillies are one that I've seen floated. Like there's, there's nothing that signifies that there's anything on the Phillies that would bring to Milwaukee that would represent a big enough upgrade at a place of need that is worth the downgrade that you lose from not having Josh Hader in your bullpen anymore. Agreed. All right. Give me your power pair hitter position player of the first half. I just want to say that I almost went with Hobie Milner as well for pitcher. I started thinking stats and I was like, I want to. He's been so good. So good for the Brewers the first half. So, for hitter, I went with Rowdy Telez. And, no, he doesn't have a great average, but who the hell in the Brewers does. Um, he's in a 227. Uh, his career average is 242. So, if he gets around that 240, 250 area, I'm very happy with that. Um, he has 18 home runs. His career high is 21, so he's almost there already. Um, he already has a new career high in RBIs with 57, and he needs – Two more doubles to hit his career high on that. He had, his career high is 19. He has 17 so far this year. Uh, the reason I went with him is because I feel like he had some really, really great moments and great games more than anybody else. Maybe, you know, your guy, I believe, is who you have. Could be the other argument. But 
he tied the Brewers record for most consecutive hits being extra hits at 10. So that was something he tied a Brewers record. And he also has three multi home run games this year. So he's putting himself up there with guys like Aaron judge and stuff. Who's going absolutely nuts. And I'm not saying it's Aaron judge. So please don't take that and run with it. Um, but he's just had three multi home run games. And to me, that's impressive. Um, he had two within almost a week of each other. So a couple of days. Yeah, he had that like eight RBI game and he had like a 15 yeah. RBI week. Yeah, he's he's had some some pretty good games, pretty good moments. He's won us some games, but just like the rest of the birds, he's got to raise that batting average, man. And yep. we'll get into that. Um fucking Aaron Judge might hit 60 home runs this year, the way he's going. Um Isaac asked if you had to set aside contracts, if you had to choose between Williams or Hayter, who you're keeping. Um, well, he's younger. That's what I was just thinking. I was just going to look up how old Devin Williams is. Um, I think he's like 24. Final answer? 24. Is that your final answer? Yes. He's 27. He's going to be 28 in September. Oh, wow. So him and Hayter are about the same age. <sighs> I'm still going to pick Williams. He looks cool. That's what I'm going to go off of. I'm going to go with Josh. I'm going to go with Josh Hader because he's left-handed. That's fair. I mean, when they're both doing their thing, they're both one of the better, they, you know, relief pitchers. The, in the, the game, two so. pitch combos that the two of them employ, they're both just so nasty that there's not a wrong answer to that question. I agree. I agree. They both have fastballs in the upper 90s, and then Devin Williams has the best changeup in the game, and Josh Hader has a slider that moves like. So much you can't see it on my screen. Um, and Hader's fastball velocity is about three miles an hour faster. And then Jake brought up True. before, you know, hiding the ball. Um, so that's that's probably where I'd go with Hader. Um, for position players, I went with Christian Yelich. Um, I think that because his expectations are so high that people aren't actually giving credit to the value that he is bringing to the team this year. Uh, it may not be 22 to $26 million worth of value, but he is bringing value to the team, especially in the leadoff position. So mm-hmm. up to this point, his stats, 251, 343 on base percentage and a 379 slugging percentage. The slugging is really the only thing that's not there for Christian Yelich right now. Um, obviously, you'd like to see his batting average a little bit higher, but the league batting average is down this season. Uh, last I checked, it was about 242. So Christian Yelich batting 251 is above average. Obviously, you'd like to see Christian Yelich's batting average be higher. Um, but in the leadoff position, his batting average is 288. His on-base percentage is 390, and his slugging is 400. That's a very, uh, very serviceable numbers for a leadoff hitter. And then as a as a leadoff hitter, he's 36 hits, 32 strikeouts. So he's got more hits than strikeouts as a leadoff hitter. Uh, it's not the case for his whole season, but that is the case for him being a leadoff hitter. And he has 20 walks as a leadoff hitter. So Christian Yelich has the highest on-base percentage, the team high in runs scored. He scored 59 runs, so he's on pace to score 118 runs this season, which is a lot. Um, he has 46 walks, which is the team high, 82 hits is the team high, and 13 stolen bases is the team high. So the only thing that's really not there for Christian Yelich is the power numbers. Um, Jared said he wants to make the statement that Australian rules football is the best. Uh, 
Sorry. <laughs> We're not doing that. No. Um, James, get out. James said get out. Yeah. <laughs> you brought him here, James. This is your fault. Yep. <laughs> so That's it. We're you know, trading James. <laughs> it's Australia, Olive Garden. <laughs> Australia and Olive Garden. Um, I will say um, Mike Brasso has been a surprise. He's batting 287 uh, on base, 367, and his yep. slugging is 460. Willie Adamas has 19 home runs. Jake mentioned uh, Rowdy. And then Hunter Renfro has 13, and he missed a bunch of games. So did Willie, and he still has 19 home runs. Um, yeah. Victor Caratini has been very good for the Brewers. Um, he might make Omar Narvaez expendable. Um, you know, that's that's something that with Victor Caratini being a switch hitter, that's more value that he's bringing. He's got the walk-off home run just a couple weeks ago, which was really entertaining, obviously. Um, Jonathan Davis is quietly – putting up some Lorenzo Cain type games. He's playing good defense and he's getting on base. So Jonathan Davis has actually been a little bit of a surprise. He kind of came out of nowhere because he's not one of the the main outfield prospects that the Brewers have. When you're thinking about outfield prospects, you're thinking of Garrett Mitchell, whose last five games since coming back from the injured list is batting 10 for 22 and playing good defense. Yeah, he's 10 for 22 since coming back from the injured list. Did you do that? (laughs) Yeah, um, or Joey Weimer, who just played in the Futures game, or Sal Frelick, or Jackson Churio, who's rocketing up the the MLB pipeline of prospects. Um, so Jonathan Davis kind of coming out of nowhere and playing well for the Brewers has been a bit of a surprise um, and a pleasant surprise at that. Um, so we'll see we'll see what the Brewers can do at the trade deadline. The, the trade deadline is still 13 days away. August 2nd is the trade deadline. Um, so looking at where we are in the middle of the season, the Brewers have a half a game lead over St. Louis. There are 11 games over Pittsburgh. So, you know, it's a two team race. And I just want to point out that I said before the season that I thought the Pittsburgh Pirates would have a better record than the Chicago Cubs. And right now I look to be right on that. I just want to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I predicted in the beginning of the season, the Brewers would win 95 games, um, Looking at it now, they'd have to have a really good second half for that to happen. So I'm probably going to bring it down to something about 92. Um, 90 to 92, I think, is where the Brewers are going to end up. Um, And you look at St. Louis. So I know the Brewers struggled coming into the All-Star break. But you look at St. Louis, that team is eighth in batting average and on base percentage. And they were shut out five times in July already. So you think the Brewers have like us. Yeah, do you think the Brewers have trouble being a team that doesn't have any offense? Imagine being a team that's good on offense and having a bunch of problems on offense. Mm-hmm. That would be difficult. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to check in on my uh, my bold predictions that I made at the beginning of the season. Uh, one being Yelich hitting 40 home runs. That was bold. And uh, that one's not going to happen. But um, like I said, Christian Yelich is developing into a good leadoff hitter. Uh, my second bold prediction was Corbin Burns winning a back-to-back Cy Young. That one's very possible. Uh, he's probably second right now. And then my third bold prediction was trading Adrian Hauser for an impact bat. That one, to me, also still seems possible, um, depending on when Freddie Peralta is going to be expected back. So that one, I think, is still possible. But um, what else did you want to say about the middle of the season for the Brewers so far, Jake? Uh, 
Well, it's just the thing that is really bothering me, and I can understand uh, struggling from time to time, but having such a big eyesore on us struggling against left-handed pitching is really, really bothering me. Mm-hmm. Um, as a team, we're only batting two, two twenty-five. So I mean, that's that's pretty horrible. Um, especially when you know we're going to be title contenders, like you're saying. And, you know, we're in a division race with the Cardinals. And, by the way, our division race is all tied up at 6-6. Six and six. Each team has won six games. So, yep. it's going to be, you know, we're all game, like you, you said. It's going to be a long second half. There's going to be a lot of high-pressure situations for a team that mm-hmm. doesn't score a lot of runs. So, yep. um, you get get back to the ladies. Um, you got teams like, like the Atlanta Braves, who their ace is Max Fried. Uh, that doesn't sit well with me. Uh, you got the Dodgers. We got a couple really good left-handed pitchers over there. I mean, they got Urias. They got Clint Kershaw. Yet, I mean, they got a couple guys over there that are lefties. And for the Brewers to be struggling that bad, they're going to have to make a move for a guy that absolutely crushes left-handed pitching. And Kyle's going to have to figure out that lineup. And we're going to have to go get some wins. <laughs> um, yes, they they don't have the best average against righties. They're hitting two thirty-nine, but that's way better than two twenty-five. Think of how many more base opportunities you get with 239 to 225. Um, that alone right there is the thing that bothers me. Slugging percentage is very low against lefties. That's the only thing that um, is the left-handed pitching. So if they could if they could find a way to fix the left-handed pitching problem and look, just get on base a little bit more, get a couple more base hits here and there, I think we'll be fine. <clears throat> All right. So I looked at – three areas for the Brewers on how they can improve. Now, <clears throat> one of them was Josh Hader. So I mentioned I just think the time off will help out. Uh, he'll bounce back like Devin Williams early in the season, who struggled early. Everybody slumps. It, it, everybody slumps. It's a thing. Um, like I said, Josh Hader has been one of, if not the best reliever in Major League Baseball over the last four years. And if you want to turn on him over a four-game stretch, I just I can't get with that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the guy still leads all of baseball in saves and missed a bunch of time and still leads Major yeah. League Baseball in saves. So that's Josh Hader. The other two areas that I looked at were striking out less and hitting with runners on base. Now, <laughs> I told Jake that I was going to shred the idea – of bunting when you have a man on first base. Now, nope. here it is. Here it is. So, the Brewers is runner on first base. The Brewers are 29th in Major League Baseball batting 215 with a runner on first base. You ready for this? A runner on second base, the Brewers are 30th with a 199 batting average. And you want to put a runner on second base and give the opposing team an out for free? Make it make sense to me. Can you think of any reason why you should be giving a team a free out to move a guy to another base where you actually hit the ball worse? I got nothing. All right, let's move on. I got nothing, man. 
So the Brewers are 24th in batting average, 16th in on-base percentage, 10th in slugging. They're actually 9th in barrel percentage, uh, <clears throat> 13th in hard hit percentage, 14th in exit velocity, 26th in zone swing percentage. That one jumped out at me. They're 28th in chase percentage, which is something that's good. That means the Brewers are like one of the best teams at not swinging at pitches outside the zone. Um 24th in chase contact, which tells me that when the Brewers do chase pitches outside the zone, they don't touch them. So continue not chasing pitches. 30th in first pitch swing percentage. So basically I talked about this probably about a month ago that opposing teams can walk up and know that the Brewers aren't swinging at the first pitch three out of four times. Three out of four times the Brewers aren't swinging at the first pitch. Um, They're 26th in swing percentage. So the Brewers just... They're just not swinging the bats a lot. Is ultimately what the what what the problem is. They're just not swinging the bats very much. Um, they're fourth in home runs, twelfth in runs scored, twentieth in hits, eighth in walks, seventh in walk percentage. They're fifth in strikeouts and eighth in strikeout percentage. They're eighth in double plays and they're twenty third at batting average on balls in play. So. <clears throat> The Brewers actually, is with runners in scoring position, are 15th. They're right in the middle of the pack. They bet 255 with runners in scoring position, so actually not too bad. Um, where they struggle is with guys on first, uh, guys on second. The base is loaded. They're seventh. Um, with um, runners on first and second, they're actually sixth in Major League Baseball. They have a 275 batting average with guys on first and second base. Um with the bases empty and two outs, they're 11th. So the Brewers, they just need to be better with runners on base. And no, bunting is not the way you fix it. Bunting is not the way you fix the Brewers. Because like I said, you're giving I a mean, team free outs and putting yourself in a position where you succeed even less. By those numbers, by those metrics, bunting would absolutely just be waving the white flag, in my opinion with how bad we are hitting with a guy in second base. You are basically, basically saying, like, here, take this free out. Yeah. You're, you're basically saying we want this inning to end faster. Yep. All right. So the Brewers just need to be better with men on first base and men in second base. And bunting is not the way you fix that. What would help is striking out less. So I mentioned the Brewers are 26th. And swing percentage, but they're still fifth in strikeouts. They're 20th in hits, but they are fourth in home runs. So there might be a little credence to the Brewers are just swinging for the fences. So that might actually be you know, a comment that holds a little bit of water. But the Brewers need to strike out less. Um, <clears throat> the three guys that I'm looking at as far as chase percentage, the Brewers who have a few guys that are up. Uh, Hunter Renfro, Tyrone Taylor, and Omar Narvaez. If those three can lower the amount of pitches that they are chasing, that would help the Brewers strike out less. Obviously, the Brewers, as a team, um, just shorten up the swing. So we've talked about it with with two strikes instead of swinging for home runs. Um, Just shortening up the swing and following off some pitches and kind of waiting for a pitcher to make a mistake. Uh, It seems like a lot of times the Brewers are trying to draw walks and just trying to take pitches that are close to the zone just to try to drive up the opponent's pitch count. 
um, you know, which which is fine, but you can also drive up with an opponent's pitch count and see more pitches just by fouling pitches off. Um, Jace Peterson's done it. Jonathan Davis has done it. Andrew McCutcheon's done it. Taking pitches um, and and drawing out at bats and getting you know eight, nine, ten pitch at bats, you know that that stuff helps. And if you keep fouling pitches off and fouling pitches off, and every time a pitcher thinks like, all right, this will be the last pitch of this at bat, and you foul another pitch off, like that that chips away at their psyche. As opposed to, you know, drawing a walk and then it's just like, all right, well, that at-bat's over. Now it's a new batter. It's time to refocus on this batter. You draw a guy into a 10-pitch at-bat, get this guy out. So that's that's something. Um, the other thing I think the Brewers could do uh, is using the opposite field. So the Brewers are 28th in opposite field percentage. <clears throat> yeah. So I will say the Atlanta Braves are 30th in opposite field percentage, and they are still a good hitting team. So it is possible to, you know, to continue pulling the ball and going up the middle um, and be a successful hitting team. That just hasn't been the case for the Brewers. So I think looking at the opposite field is something that could potentially help the Brewers up their team batting average and strike out less. Um, so that being said, um, Looking at looking at Christian Yelich, um, I think he's one guy that could benefit from using the opposite field just because I feel like he grounds into that that shift with the man standing in short right field a lot. Um, and and the, the the crazy thing is is that he's hitting the ball hard, which just makes it easier to turn double plays. So Christian Yelich is in the 84th percentile in exit velocity which means he's in the top 16% of the league. He's in the 90th percentile in hard hit percentage, which means he's in the top 10% of the league in hitting the ball hard. He's in the 90th percentile in walk percentage, which means he's getting on base in the top 10% of the major league baseball. uh, As far as walks are concerned, it just, the Brewers just need to swing at more pitches in the zone and, and shorten up the swings a little bit. So, like I said, there, you know, there might be there might be some weight to the Brewers need to stop swinging for the fences narrative there. Um, you know, that's that might just be something that it is that if I can look into um, I can look into the Brewers splits when it comes to batting with two strikes. That's something I can look into as well. Um, but you know, on the surface of all of these things that I've brought up. Um, looking to use the opposite field is something I think the Brewers could do to help. And then I just think that swinging at more pitches, whether it be the first pitch, which the Brewers do less than anybody, or just swinging at more pitches inside the zone, which the Brewers are 26th in major league baseball in is swinging at pitches inside the zone. Um, Like I said, the Brewers don't swing at many pitches outside the zone either. They're 28th in chase percentage. So to me, that says the Brewers just aren't swinging the bats a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you want to get on base and get more hits and raise your average. You just need to swing the bat more and put the bat on the ball. I think they will. Um, I mean, we got two hitting coaches, so it makes no sense why they can't make adjustments. You tell one guy to take half the room, I take the other half of the room, and you figure it out. I mean, putting bat on all is definitely the name of the game. So, just like in basketball, the name of the game is putting the lotion in the basket, right? That's the guys that get paid the big money. So putting the bet on the ball, that, that's that's the name of the game. The Brewers pitching is not going to give up. The Brewers pitching is what it is, one of the best in baseball bullpen starters. So this offense catches up to this pitching, this team could surprise some people. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and, you know, the Brewers, they'll add something at the deadline. 
Um, Stearns will probably find a relief pitcher that nobody was expecting the Brewers to add, and then they'll find that because that seems to be what Stearns does every year. And the Brewers have already been uh, confirmed to be checking in on Ben Attendee. Um, so the Brewers will add probably at least a bat, if not two. Um, probably not trading Josh Hader. I would 99.9% sure the Brewers are not trading Josh Hader. Um, and <clears throat> it just comes down to what team gets hot at the end of the season. So yeah. looking at what's next for the Brewers when they come back from the All-Star break, they start a uh, four-game series with Colorado on Friday. Then they have another two-game home series with the Minnesota Twins. Um, Craig Council said coming out of the All-Star break, it's going to be Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Eric Lauer, Aaron Ashby, and then after that I'm thinking it's going to be Adrian Hauser. Um, based on the fact that they sent Jason Alexander back to AAA, he was that fill-in starter. Uh, with them sending him to AAA, I feel that that means that Adrian Hauser is going to be ready on the other side of the All-Star break. And then once we start getting into August, that's when I'm going to be looking for Freddie Peralta to come back. And I'm still holding out hope for Nick Cousins. Uh, Jake Cousins. Nick Cousins is the National Predators guy that I said a couple weeks ago. Jake Cousins <laughs> is the guy that I'm I'm holding out some hope that he can come back yet. Um, haven't heard an update on him in a while, so um, I hope that's good news, um, that we haven't heard that he needs Tommy John surgery, so that's that's good. Um, so hopefully that, that rehab over surgery um, plan works out and we can get Jake Cousins back in the bullpen. That would be a nice boost. Um, and that's that's what we're looking at with the Brewers right now. So um, I'm not sure if you had anything else you wanted to, to chime in on with the Brewers. Well, coming out against the Rockies, you know, and our best pitcher is going up. So that's a good way to get the ball rolling, in my opinion. Um, after that, like you said, we got Twins, and then we have the Red Sox. So, yeah, back-to-back AL team. So they're – their cousin Kirk Cousins. We, we have the better cousins in Wisconsin. Jake Cousins is better than Kirk Cousins. We've actually we discussed that last year. Um, we did. But, but if we can say we take three out of four or four out of four from the Rockies, and we can take one or two and you know two of three from the the Red Sox, all of a sudden we get this ball rolling a little bit, and uh, you never know what can happen. We're definitely going to need to take advantage of this Rocky series though, because the Twins are no joke and the. Bear- it's starting to eat up now. We're in the dog days of summer, as I like to say. <laughs> All right. Wouldn't it be fun, though, if, like, three weeks from now we had, like, the metal bat week to look forward to and the Brewers are going to be, like, playing games that are going to be, like, 20 to 16 and stuff for just a week? Yeah, that would uh, that would be absolutely insane. <laughs> All right. So we discussed a lot of stuff. Um I want to thank everybody that watched the whole time. That was uh, that was a lot, a lot of content to go through this week. So, <laughs> um, we will be back next Wednesday. Uh, we're getting close to fantasy football season, so we're going to be doing the Wisco Fanatics Fantasy Football League again. We're going to do that. Um, we have a Packers show that'll be August fifth, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and we're going to be getting close to. Um, Wisconsin Badgers season primer. That'll be coming up the last Wednesday of August too. So um, yes, you got anything else for today? No. Uh, well, one thing, Mikey's going to be on our Badger experts, going to be on that Badger mm-hmm. episode. Yep. Uh, Simon and Brian will be joining us on our Friday night episode. So look forward to that. We'll have some guests on, some different perspectives than the normal Tyler and Jake perspective that you normally get. Um, we also have our bonus episode that we planned in August. So yep. we're going to be – 
start these episodes, baby. I'm excited. All right, and we want to keep doing that in a in a positive and optimistic way. So that's why we're not just looking at it and saying the Brewers hitting sucks. They need to trade for somebody to help it out. We're looking at you know how can the Brewers improve. Um, so that's that's what we're looking at. Um, Nick Cousins is the guy. Nick Cousins is the Nashville Predators guy. Jake Cousins is the guy we have in Wisconsin for the Brewers. So. All right. I see well, what Isaac's talking about. Isaac's talking about the Vikings offense, how they won't learn it that quick. Rogers is super smart, and he's smarter than Kirk Cousins. So I would I would think, you know, and he had a full offseason with LaFleur, Rodgers did. So probably take Kirk Cousins a little bit. I think Kirk Cousins is a smart guy. He's a, he's a decent quarterback. I'm not going to say he sucks, but he's not in the Rodgers tier at all. So right. that'll be interesting. Right. We're going to get deeper into that discussion later. Friday yeah, when we, yeah, when we do our, our Friday Night Packers shows, those will be deep. That's why we're doing them separately from the Wednesday shows so we can give more time to those. Um, but I think we discussed some good stuff today. So uh, if you got nothing else, I will see you next Wednesday. Yes, sir. Hey, have a good week. All right. Thanks for watching. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.